As I think about all these different aspects of pain and how you process it and the process of getting to a place of hope in the midst of the pain, I love this quote from Henry Cloud to kind of wrap it all together. He says, we develop hope as we experience pain transformed into comfort. Mm. When this happens enough, we begin to have faith that our pain will not do us in and that comfort is on its way. Welcome to the Real Talk Podcast from Real FM. Here's Anson, Kara, and Isaac. Hello and welcome to episode four, I believe this is. Yeah. This we is don't know. Four. We is have it to, four? I, I'm not very good at counting, apparently. <laughs> but welcome, yes, to episode four of Real Talk. Anson, Kara, and Isaac along Yay. with you Hello. for another episode. I know we say this every week. We love your feedback on the show. And I wanted to share something with you guys. We got our first review <gasps> oh man, Yay. of the podcast. So this person said, I think Wake Up is fun. Wake Up, by the way, is the uh, podcast that Isaac does. Yes. Every single morning, just a three, four minute show it's where great. he tells you everything you need to know for the day. I tend to listen to it while I'm brushing my teeth. Yeah, that's right. And it also doubles as a teeth brushing timer because <laughs> you're supposed to brush your teeth for like three or four minutes. So right. really? When, that's impressive. Yeah. When Isaac is done talking, that's when you can stop brushing your teeth. Perfect. This person said, I think wake up is a lot of fun, has a lot of interesting topics. So far, I like how they keep me up to date on things I probably wouldn't know about otherwise. So awesome. hey, that's way to go, Isaac. And if you haven't checked out wake up in the morning, make sure that you do that. And then as for real talk, this person says, I love the topic so far. It's really fun to hear from each of the hosts, hear their perspective so far. So good. So very cool. That's encouraging. So if you have a very nice review that you would like to leave (laughs) to build us up and not tear us down, we would love to hear it. And if you want to tear us down, then you can just type that into a little word document on on your own computer and then forget to save it. And And that's, that'd be fine. That would be fine too. I don't know. I guess maybe you should share that with us and we can process our pain together. Yes, we can. That's right. <laughs> we are talking about processing pain this week. That is very true. Perfect segue into our big idea for week four, a really just fun filled topic, how to process pain, Super, <laughs> which fun. is kind of my favorite, you know, uh, <laughs> a little bit heavy perhaps, mm. but really important. Even though processing pain is something that we would all rather avoid, that's kind of the point Yeah, because that's right. not always the best strategy. You know, there's a lot going on right now all over the world. A lot of people facing some really intense pain. I mean, there's always a lot of pain going mm. on in our own personal lives to process. And so it's one of those adulting skills that I think a lot of us are like, wait, where was the class on this? I missed it. We've got hurricane season, Irma and Harvey that are affecting a lot of people. What was it? The 16th anniversary, I believe, of 9-11. Exactly. Uh, It was earlier this week as well. So a lot of big things going on. And like you said, always a lot of personal things going on. Well, before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about what we're into this week. And I think, Isaac, you're going to start us off this week. That's right. This week, I am into TED Talks. That's basically, it's always so cool. I think that I'm missing my college classes where I just learn something new every day. Oh, that was fun. On my commutes, I do all of my learning. I feel like every time I do what I'm into this week, I always hit the, uh, oh, I'm doing something on my commute. But that's really how I feel. Well, that's your life. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, there's a lot of commuting. You have a long commute, so you have to have something to do. Exactly. That's right. I listened to a recent one where this guy talked about how he took a vow of silence that was originally going to be for a day that ended up lasting like 17 years. This guy didn't speak 
for wow. 17 years. That is crazy. Absolutely How nuts. is that even possible? I don't know. I, and then I'm, he did a TED talk that was like, you're 18. <laughs> like, <laughs> now I say all the words. <laughs> make up for last time. Yeah, it was crazy. He said that he invited all of his friends and family to this fancy hotel and he was going to talk to him. He had planned on this. Wow. But he walked up on the stage. He said, thank you all for coming. It registered and they're like, oh my gosh. He totally just talked. He's speaking. <laughs> That's crazy. It's really cool. Like I like getting different people's perspectives and That's feeling like I've learned something. I want to go listen to that now. I know. That sounds pretty fascinating. My wife has been gone for like a weekend and I don't speak <laughs> while she's gone for like a day or two. And then have you ever done that thing where you haven't talked in a while when you're, you're like, home alone yeah. and then you just kind of talk to yourself to make sure your voice like still works? <laughs> yes. And, or am I the only one that's ever done that? I'm like, yeah. hello. hello? Okay. okay, we're good. <laughs> 17 years. I don't. That's insane. Yeah. I wonder if he like ever stubbed his toe and said, Ugh! that was 15 years down yeah. the drain. <laughs> <laughs> no. Now I'm going to start over. That's oh what I'm God. into this week is TED Talks. The thing that I am into this week is, in my opinion, the perfect blend of jock culture and nerd culture. Okay. <laughs> These were like good. the two sides divided in high school, right? So uh-huh. You have, you have the jocks yes. that are doing their thing. Then you have the nerds that were doing their thing. I was always in the nerd category uh-huh. for the most part. Yep. I, I kind of put out feelers into the jock category, not because I was a jock myself, but because I have always enjoyed sports. Yes. So I like watching sports, even if I'm not very good at them uh, myself. Makes sense. And I finally found the perfect mixture of these two cultures. And that is fantasy football. Oh man. <laughs> there you go. I am a fantasy football nerd. Are okay. You? Have either of you guys ever been in a fantasy football league? No. no. <laughs> so you guys, I, I've already lost you. Apparently we're right. not. Okay. Even some people who aren't crazy into That's... either of these camps occasionally play yes. fantasy football because it's just yeah. kind of this cultural phenomenon. It's a big deal. Sure. And it's not actually that hard to do. I mean, my wife picks her favorite players based on their names for the most part. She's like, that As... guy has a cool name. I'm going to draft him and play sounds, him. Sounds about right. That's all my speed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I am in a serious, very serious fantasy football league. Very serious. Where we have Excel spreadsheets. Oh, we oh, have man. a rule book for the league that is what? 38 pages <laughs> <What>? long. <laughs> Not even kidding. We have a disciplinary oh, process my. for when you break the rules. Oh, Whoa. man. And there's an appeals process. It gets insane. You are not kidding. This so, is serious. This is the most Anson thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It is so nerdy. I feel like I'm listening to Ben Wyatt right now. <laughs> yes. We were actually, my wife and I were actually watching an episode of Parks and Rec last night. The one where he creates his own board game. Yes. His own like tabletop game. Because he's just watched that one. This is basically what I've done with this <laughs> fantasy football sounds league. like. Totally. As a child, I was making up games yes. with rules and all that stuff. Totally a Ben Wyatt. And I've done this with fantasy football. I created a league, a whole system, a rule book. I am the commissioner for the league. Of course you are. Uh, So this is my adult version of that. So I'm so proud of you. Well, thank you. That's not normally what people say when I tell them about this. They just kind of look at me and go like, you are a sad, strange little man. That's zero sarcasm. I really am. That's awesome. So what I'm into this week is iPhones, because as we all know, all of the iPhones were announced the new ones, they which were. I've been waiting for, not because I'm a super tech nerd, but because my iPhone is dying and has been for a couple of months. Rest in peace. So mm. it's still barely alive. But here's <laughs> what it does. Periodically, I will try to, you know, do normal things like open apps, 
touch the screen and it won't respond. So I took it to an Apple Eye store and they're like, oh yeah, your phone is bent. And I'm like, oh cool. Oops. So they're like, well, you know, it doesn't always, you know, respond to touch is what happens, but it's been working for like a month. And then a day before the new iPhones <laughs> drop, I wake up and I'm like, no, it's not working again. I've heard so many people say their iPhones have stopped working in the last like week. Oh, I know. Is that not yeah. weird? Are we, are we not sure? Like, <laughs> tinfoil hat conspiracy a, theorist <laughs> moment here. Yeah. Is it possible? It is possible. That Apple is like sabotaging <sighs> all of their iPhones. It's quite, I know that's quite not possible. really happening. I was but watching it, the it kind of feels that way. Yeah. I was watching it yesterday and I could just feel my iPhone dying in my pocket. <laughs> They it's, bend your phones at night. I know. Yeah. <laughs> they just sneak in your Apple house. genius sneaks in. <laughs> and just... It's probably true. So whatever happened, whether it was a gnome or my fault for carrying it in my back pocket, my phone is dying. So I spent a lot of time yesterday asking Anson questions about iPhones, even though he doesn't have, even an, have an iPhone. iPhone. I don't even know but anything. He, he knows I all am the a tech nerd, things. Though, so. Yeah. And so I'm like, well, what's the difference between this one and this one and this one? Because the new ones are super expensive. And let's be real. They I are. don't have a lot of money right now to just be like, okay, I'll buy a thousand dollars. One thousand dollars for the what new is that? top of the line iPhone. I spent a lot of time yesterday basically deciding that I don't really care about all of the super fancy nerdy upgrades because I'm going to use it to talk to text to occasionally make some Evernote notes on to read my Kindle. That's yeah. mostly what I use my phone for. So I'm actually thinking of going all the way back to the 6S because Whoa. it has a headphone jack for crying out loud and I want one That's of those. That's the killer feature That's what that you really need. <laughs> I want to be able to have the option yeah. because I use the aux cord in my car a lot. I use headphones a lot for even just talking on the phone. Well, with the big like problem the is you can't, correct me if I'm wrong, but you can't charge the phone yes. and listen to something right. without Bluetooth headphones simultaneously. Exactly. Yeah, yeah they kind of shot themselves in the foot on that one. Yeah. But, so yeah. I'm like, I can buy an old success for, you know, a lot cheaper than these newer ones and yeah. not have this big old monthly payment. So I've been obsessed with scouring the Apple site for refurbished iPhones. I almost made my confession session that I'm obsessed with iPhones, but <laughs> I thought I would go on a more serious note this week just because it's been something that I've really been struggling with and thinking about this week. Mm. I'm a Christian, but I feel weird about sharing it with people. Ooh. And what I mean by that is this isn't a cool like testimony moment where, oh, no. Isaac's friends with a bunch of non-Christians. Like, <laughs> in my life, in my circle, I do have a lot of people who are not Christians. That's a varying level from they're apathetic, they don't think about mm. it, or like they are staunch. Against mm. like downright hostile yeah. towards it. Yeah. It's not talked about. We'll talk about anything else, but faith mm. is not discussed. Mm -hmm. I've been trying to navigate conversationally. Do I talk about it on purpose? But then if I'm like trying to Jesus juke people and like <laughs> talk about my faith, oh, we were getting coffee. Well, you know, that total is 316. <laughs> Let me tell you about <laughs> no. another 316 that Just. I love. I've been trying around these people who are more like staunchly against faith. I've been trying to be purposeful about not talking about it, but then I feel bad because yeah. this is a big part of my life. And there is that whole pesky great commission thing <laughs> to right? share with people. Yeah. Super annoying. And my problems are so not the problems that international missionaries have. Sure. Someone's right. listening to this going like, wow, you're afraid of being uncomfortable. I'm yeah. living in a shack right now. This is a That's problem. the reality most of us are dealing with. Yeah. Right? There are those people who are thing. dealing with that, but most of us, are, our problem is 
feeling uncomfortable. Yeah. That's a real problem. Yeah. I feel bad about not sharing it on purpose, but then I also feel bad about trying to weave it in mm-hmm. inorganically. Does that yes, make sense? Totally. I wish that it could be settled one day. Like if you want to talk about God, I'm down to talk about it with you. But I, know. I feel like the most I do right now is tell people I'm praying for you. And then I add, and I really mean that I look mm. at them and say, Hey, you have been on my mind. I've been praying for you. I know that for you, that doesn't mean a lot, but you know that coming from mm. me, that means something. That's it's really just, good. I've been really wrestling with it. In our culture today, there's such a high value placed on inclusivity and tolerance yeah. and those things. We really often feel like we're walking on eggshells right? because Christianity has been like it or not. And whether it's fair or not, it's been associated with some things that are on the opposite end of the spectrum from sure. those values. A lot of people who are hostile to Christianity would lump it in as a very intolerant thing. Right. 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 And so we feel like even by just admitting that we have those beliefs or that we're part of that group, like we feel like we're lumping ourselves sure. into a category of people. Are you like a Westboro Baptist Church right. Christian? Like immediately. <laughs> like what, yeah. What kind of what Christian does that, mean? does that mean? Somebody yeah. asked me yesterday, and this was like a Christian that asked me, she was like, how Christian are you? And I was like, what does that mean? Yeah. It was very interesting though. And I suddenly felt super uncomfortable and yeah. was like, I'm not sure how to answer that. What is that? It's really interesting. And and theoretically, like from my point of view, if you were thinking about that question, which is kind of a weird question, but (laughs) but how Christian are you? I would think like, okay, well, how loving am I? How much do I love my neighbor? How much do I like these tenets of Christianity? But I'm guessing that question actually kind of means the reverse. Like how Christian are you in terms of do you boycott things you don't like? Are you intolerant of my views? Are you very politically oriented? Are you super like judgmental? Do right, you right. Ever... It's actually a negative question, not it a is. positive one. Yeah, I know. And I, I was a little bit like, I'm not even sure how to answer that. Yeah. So in the age of Christianity being sort of politicized and there's mm. so much party affiliation with it, I'm just really wrestling with, I'm a Christian, but I feel weird about sharing it with people. And it, it sucks. I hate it so much. my turn for the weekly review this week and up to this point in the show we've mostly reviewed things that you wouldn't normally review <laughs> trying to think back i know we've reviewed being old finding a scorpion in <laughs> finding your house a scorpion yeah we've given out a lot of one star ratings so we far have. on the show so i thought this week maybe i'd go a little bit of a different direction and review something that you might actually normally review cool because i bought a new product this week it's called the ecobee 3 light Sounds like something from Star Wars. It, it, it does. Yeah, it kind of almost is. It's a smart <laughs> thermostat. Ooh. What? Because I'm really into connected home yes, things and yeah. smart home stuff. And so my latest purchase was a smart thermostat. It's kind of fun, at least for me, because again, I'm, I'm a nerd about these things. <laughs> Basically, it has a touch screen. So it's a much nice. cooler looking thermostat than most beige, white, <laughs> yes, you know, dirty yes. looking thermostats that you have on the wall. Yeah. It has some pretty cool features. You can set up a schedule on on the thermostat so you can set it to change temperatures based on the time of day. If you like it to be one temperature at night, you can do that. That's you want it to nice. be a different one during the day, you yeah. can do that. You can also set up other modes. So say you could set up a windows open mode Ooh. that you could turn on when you're going to open the windows and you don't want the thermostat what? to kick on. Wow. So you could set up something like that. That's cool. Yeah. And then you can also change the thermostat from your phone, which is wow. kind of nice. So even if you're not at home, maybe you're leaving to go on a trip and you forgot to 
turn the thermostat oh, up so that the air conditioner wouldn't kick on. You could do that from your phone that's nice. while you're not even home. And then it also ties into my Google home, which means I can actually talk to my thermostat. What? So I can ask Google, hey, what's the temperature inside the house? Or hey, turn the air conditioner on or things like that. You can also tie it into other things in the house as well. So like, for example, if both of my phones, my phone and my wife's phone leave the house, it says, oh, they're away. Oh. I should turn the thermostat to this point because they're not in the house anymore. Wow. Dude. So it does a lot of really cool things. And for all those cool things that it does, it costs a fair amount of money. Uh, <laughs> I bet. The thermostat costs $169. So okay. it's not cheap because yeah. you can go to Lowe's and you can buy a cheapo thermostat for like, what, mm -hmm. 10, 15, 20 yeah. bucks probably. Yes. So it's definitely a lot more expensive. There are also more expensive versions of it, though. I got the Ecobee 3 Lite. Oh. And if you get the non-light version, <laughs> it costs up to $250. That comes with a couple more things. It comes with some sensors that you can put around your house. Yeah. So if you have like an upstairs that gets a little too warm or something like that, yeah. you can put a sensor up there and it'll keep track of how warm it is in different wow. spots in your house and try what? to kind of equalize those. The nicest one also comes with Amazon Alexa built in. Whoa. So you can talk directly to the thermostat if you wanted to. It's actually pretty cool. Is this something that you guys would ever consider yes. spending $170 on for your home? No. Where you're like, that is, <laughs> that is crazy. No, I'm right there with you. Yeah. No, I, would. I wouldn't. Sorry. <laughs> I think it's cool, but it feels very much like a dad tech gift to mm, me. Like, yeah. a, this is something it your could dad be a would dad be. thing. Yeah, I can think of a few things I'd rather spend $170 yeah. on just for me, but I'm happy for you. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is really cool. I will say, on the other hand, though, I got it all hooked up and I was really excited about my new toy. Uh -huh. And then after a couple of days, I was kind of like, okay, it's cool. And there's nothing wrong with it per se. It still does everything that I wanted it to do, uh -huh. but it's also still a thermostat. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And a thermostat is not necessarily the most exciting thing in the world. Yeah. True. At the end of the day, I'm still just setting the temperature in my house. True. <laughs> Whether I'm doing it from my phone or with my voice or actually, God forbid, at the thermostat. Yeah. <laughs> like some kind of animal. Yeah. <laughs> It still just changes the temperature in the house. Yeah. So is... because of that, I'm going to give it four out of five stars. Well, there you go. It's still a great product if you're interested in this kind of thing. If you're not, you're probably going to be able to get away with yeah. your old school yeah. $20 okay. thermostat. It's my turn for real life boss level this week, where we talk about the real life bosses that we take on kind of like in the video game world, only sometimes scarier because in the real world, you don't have like fireballs. You can spit out of your mouth to deal with the bosses <laughs> like Mario does. That would so, be really cool. That would be cool. But. So my real life boss level this week is baby whispering, which Isaac is sitting over here trying to figure out what that is. I'm so excited. I... <laughs> So I signed up recently to start holding babies at the nursery at church, basically uh -huh. in the infant young babies section. Cause I was like, I don't really feel like I have the capacity to teach right now. And basically by the time you get to the one year olds, they expect you to teach them stuff. Uh -huh. And so I'm like, I'll just hold the babies and like they can drool on me <laughs> and whatever. Start, yeah. So yeah, I figured I'm capable of this and they're cute. But my first week in the baby room was this last week. And I had thankfully two experienced ladies in there with me and we only had two kids. So it started out like this 
we got this like uh-huh. what's the big deal and they were happy kids and both volunteers were like oh these kids are so sweet I love them they were both kind of giggly and happy and it was all good and then something happened about halfway <laughs> through no it wasn't even halfway through it was maybe like 10 minutes in one of them started to go downhill and so we've got one of the volunteers the experienced one she's got him we're good she's you know over to the window look at the truck and saying all the things and looking at these books and he's just super fussy and we're like oh he's really tired look at him oh he's gonna fight sleep now and so we have that conversation but the other one's fine she's laying down and kicking and happy and giggling and smiling and and then all of the sudden it's like someone flipped a switch and she was done and she just started like (laughs) having a cow and we're like what just what's what's going on and so the very experienced people were not panicking because they're moms of several children and (laughs) they were fine so each of them have one and I'm kind of feeling useless here I'm like what do I do so then this girl just escalates she just gets more and more like she's screaming and nothing this lady's doing is helping she like finally changes her diaper she kind of calms down but the lady has to like constantly bouncing and walking and bouncing and walking and she's sort of falling asleep, but she's fighting it so hard. I'm just looking at her going, you've got to be like exhausted at this point because mm-hmm. you can only hold those babies so long and your arms start to feel like lead. It's true. I was like, all right, I'm here to help. So I was like, well, can I give you a break? And she's like, sure. And so she hands me the baby who promptly starts screaming louder. It's like, great. This is a good start <laughs> to my to a good start. baby yeah. whispering career. So finally I changed positions. I put her up like on my shoulder and I, I do the thing that I've seen my mom do for years. It's like the only trick I got in my box. I like press her up really close and start singing like right into her ear, humming just super loud. And at first she's kind of like, eh, whatever. And then pretty soon she's kind of like, what is that? This kind of nice. And she like starts to get a little crying, gets a little less every once in a while, fight it. And a little less, she's got her hands like on my chest. Like I will not put my head down. Like, I don't care how (laughs) nice this song is. I'm not going to do it. But then pretty soon she goes limp and she's asleep and they're like, yeah, look, you did it. And I was like, awesome. It feels like this huge accomplishment when you put the baby to sleep. And and it was a big deal. So all night they were like, look, Kara got the baby to sleep. It's because she was singing. And I was like, yeah, that's right. But then I was like, man, how do moms do this? Because by the end of the night, I'm like sweaty and my arms are like hurting so bad. And I'm like, I know this is like a six month baby. She's not even that heavy, but please like mama take her because she's so, she's so sweet, but she's so heavy and hot. So like, how do you do this? Every parent that just listened to you tell that story, <laughs> like I'm pretty sure it was along with me yeah. nodding right. profusely right. at literally everything you said <laughs> from the, everything started out so well. I don't know and what then it all went to crap so quickly <laughs> and, and then I felt so accomplished and simultaneously exhausted exactly. when the baby like I'm going yes yes, yes, yes and yes, yes. That, that is like parenthood right there I know summed up in one <laughs> church service experience you have my deepest sympathies and deepest respect as congratulations, well congratulations thank you way to go I that's awesome that's something like to feel proud of awesome thanks big idea is processing pain. That seems like a super not fun thing to talk about. And it's not always, but to be honest, this is something that I think about a lot. My friends know me as the person who feels all the things all the time. (laughs) And so I feel like I spend a lot of my life processing 
what is this pain that I'm feeling? How do I deal with it? How do we get through it to the other side? How can mm. I help other people get through it? I'm also an empath. And so I feel all the people's pain around mm. me too. Yeah. And so I think about pain a lot more than probably a normal person should, but I feel like it's also been helpful and I've been able to understand some things about it through that process that have actually been really helpful. It kind of occurs to me that that's one of the interesting things about pain that kind of has two sides to it. Mm -hmm. On the one hand, pain is not fun. Yeah, it's not enjoyable. And so it's kind of a scary thing to experience or even think about and talk about. And yet it's kind of necessary at the same time. And so how do we grapple with that? It makes me think of I don't know if you guys remember when I was in probably middle school taking middle school science, like middle school biology. Mm -hmm. I remember learning about physical pain receptors in the body. Hmm. And as a young kid, I remember having the conscious thought before going, why did God even make pain a thing? Hmm. Like, wouldn't the world be so much better if pain didn't exist? Like, wouldn't it be cool if I could just, I don't know, fall off the trampoline (laughs) and like, Instead of my leg, like feeling hurt, like I just was fine. Wouldn't that be great? Right. Mm. But the thing is, the thing that you learn in biology class is pain is actually a really important function of the body. Right. Mm. And without pain, we potentially be in a lot of trouble. It's this idea of like, if you put your hand on a really hot burner on the stove, Mm. your hand immediately hurts with fiery, hot, (laughs) burning pain. Right. Why does your body do that? Because your body is telling you, hey, you need to stop what you're doing. Yes or it's going to cause you some major issues, right? If pain wasn't there, you might not even notice it was happening. And before you know it, your arm is done for, right? Like you might have to get it amputated or something. But because our pain receptors kick in, we go, holy cow, I need to take my hand off of that thing because it hurts. And ultimately that pain is the very thing that saves your hand, Yeah, right? We learn about that. And that's something that becomes kind of intuitive over time physically. Mm -hmm. But I think at least for me, I don't always carry that over to Mm -hmm. other types of pain. Like emotional pain. Absolutely. I think the same concept applies where pain, it's something that is not fun to experience still, but it also seems to serve a purpose. Mm. And in some ways it can actually benefit us. And this is a big theological discussion that hasn't been solved and it's been talked about for centuries. This idea that why would a perfect and good God allow pain in the world? (sighs) Is it just a symptom of an imperfect world and eventually it's all going to go away? Or is there actually some benefit to pain? Or is it kind of a both and kind of a thing? I feel like we always take this topic without the weight that it should be approached with because it's always, oh, well, you're going through pain. Well, treat it as a learning experience. It's almost like a pat on the back. Like, you can learn something from this. I'm like, well, that helps me none. (laughs) Like, if you tell that to someone right in the middle of pain, you're kind of just, you're almost making them feel a little guilty for not having that lesson learned already. Exactly. Well, I've been feeling this way for months. So where's my lesson? Like, why have I not learned this? What am I doing wrong? Yeah, like, and then there's more guilt of like, I'm not learning. Why am I not learning? Right. Exactly. I think if you minimize either side of this equation, you could get your perspective out of whack really quickly. Right. Right. If you're like pain is only a learning experience and it's not hard, Hmm. that's going to create a lot of problems because the truth is it is hard hard. and we need to accept that. Hmm. And then on the other hand, if we say pain is just pain and there's no point to it and it just hurts, like Hmm. that's pretty hopeless as well. And then you're like, where's the light? Hmm. So you're telling me I'm just suffering for no reason. I think a balanced approach says pain can benefit us. We can learn from those things, but we Mm. also need to allow space for 
experiencing pain and walking through grief and accepting that that's a part of life. I was reading an interesting article the other day that was talking about actually saying ouch. So when you're a kid and you touch the hot stove or something more serious, you break an arm, your immediate response is ouch. That's kind of a normal thing that we're like, that makes sense that you're screaming in pain. They said scientifically, literally what happens in your brain is when you say ouch, there's something that happens that enables you to endure that pain instead of being like, no, I have to be okay. I can't say, ouch, I can't express this in any way. We don't think about that with physical pain, but there's something to that. That's a very important takeaway for emotional pain as well. I have watched my wife go through labor a couple of times. And from what I can tell, that is a pretty (laughs) painful experience. I think you might be right. But one of the things that they teach you Mm -hmm. in the classes that you go to, they literally talk about making noise during labor and how that actually helps helps you to manage your pain. No way. Yeah, they talk about, you know, screaming is maybe not always the most helpful thing. (laughs) Like just (laughs) screaming at the top of your lungs. For you or your spouse. Well, yeah, yeah, that's true. Wouldn't help if I was doing that. Either um, because it could induce panic, it yeah. kind of tightens your vocal cords uh, just physically, and yeah. so that's not great. But what they do teach you is letting out like this kind of low moaning sound, and sometimes mm. doing it pretty loudly actually is really, really helpful wow. in managing your pain. And if you try to squelch that and just not do anything, that actually physically makes it makes more it difficult to manage the pain. So, yeah. I think what you're talking about from a physical standpoint is really true. Yeah. But how often do we carry that over to managing emotional pain? Oh my goodness. It's huge. I've noticed over the years that sometimes in Christian circles, there is this tendency to say, my grandpa just died and I'm really sad about that. And somebody well-meaning comes in and says, well, you know, he's in a better place. It's going to be okay. All things work together for good. And I'm using just off the top of my head example, but you're like, okay, I know that's true, but that's not helpful to me. Like right right now, like what you said a few minutes ago, Isaac, what happens is the way that we're designed, we're designed to feel these big emotions. And as children, when you feel this big emotion, you don't just feel the emotion. You are the emotion. Like it overcomes you. Like what you were saying earlier, when you experience pain as a kid, you're like, I cannot be alive right now. This is so overwhelming (laughs) to me. This is the only thing I can deal with. So what do you do? You go to mom. And she helps you contain it. And you say, like, this is overwhelming. I can't handle this. You hand it to her and she says, oh, come here. Let me comfort you. Let me pat you on the back. Let me kiss it for you. It'll make it better. She contains that long enough for you to take a deep breath, take a step back and go, it's just a scratch. It'll be okay. Yeah. But until she empathizes with you and goes through that initial process, it's not going to be better. If she just jumps straight to you're fine, just shake it off. Stop crying. Stop making a big deal of this. Yeah. It doesn't actually make the pain better and short circuiting that process, especially emotionally, it can do a lot of damage. I think it's so important to validate. And there's so much research about this that I wish that I could quote all the things because I've been reading a lot about this and just also experiencing it in my own life. When someone listens to you and says, yeah, that makes sense. That is hard. That's a real thing that you're going through. There is a very real sense in which that helps you get through the pain and make the pain less intense. So you can go on to the next step of getting perspective. But until you get empathy and validation, you can't jump over to the next step and actually be healed. 
what it makes me think of is a lot of young boys and young men in particular who often are told mm. exactly that phrase that you said. You're right. Which is, you're fine. Shake it shake off. It off. It's okay. You're right. Not that this doesn't happen to women as well. But, but especially, especially for young men, mm. I think sometimes we have a really difficult time opening up about how we're feeling. Yeah. And, and that's something we really have to fight with later in life because we've been repeatedly told this is bad. Up. It's yeah. okay. You're yeah. going to be fine. Mm. And I think there are times where, hey, you're okay is a valid thing to tell someone. Right. Right. Because sometimes when we're in the middle of pain, we start to panic. Yeah. Right. And I've seen it so often with my own children where they get hurt, but not very badly. Right. And they begin <laughs> to overreact or they almost look to me to say, am I okay or uh, am I not okay? And if I kind of signal to them, you know what? You're fine. It's okay. You're going to be okay. Right. That at times can be a helpful thing to say. But there are other times where they genuinely get hurt or scared or frightened by something. And we immediately jump to this, like, don't cry, shake it off. You're, You're fine. fine. Yeah. You know, shove the emotions to the background. Don't feel it. Yeah. And that cannot be a healthy thing. Because if pain is a sign of a deeper problem, and your body or your emotions are telling you pain, 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 and you're saying, shut up, I don't right. have any use for you, then you're missing the infection or whatever the thing is that's causing the problem that could become a much bigger problem yeah. if you continue to push it down. Well, and I appreciate what you said about young guys, because for better or worse, I always got this message that there's no problem that's a big problem for you. Like oh, you've got wow. this. And then with that, as I've gotten older, I was told, well, that was a small problem that I got through by myself. And then I kind of just use that copy paste excuse hmm. as problems get bigger. It's like, well, I've got this. Um, My go to is like, eh, I've got this. And then I slowly don't have this. <laughs> and then it just kind of. And then you feel shamed. Because yeah, because you don't have control on why it. Why don't I have this? I'm and supposed to. Nobody in your circle knows what's going on because you've got this, quote unquote. And it's just this. I'm the king of that trying to short circuit the process. So, mm. yeah, I hear you. One thing that I think is really interesting about this discussion when we're talking about processing pain is we don't all process pain the same way. Hmm. I was actually just last night having a conversation with my wife about 9-11. Yeah. We were talking about how it's the 16th anniversary of 9-11. We were talking about remembering where we were when that happened and feeling a little bit scared about mm -hmm. what was going on. And earlier this week, because of the anniversary of it, I ended up somehow watching a video about 9-11 oh. and it was the live coverage from, I think, like ABC News wow. of the events that happened that morning. And one of the crazy things about this event is you can literally go onto YouTube and you can watch, watch like it. they have like the straight five hours of the live coverage yeah. of what happened that day. Wow. And I was watching that just sitting on my couch at home and my wife was kind of sitting nearby. And finally she had to ask me, she was like, can you please stop? Can you mm. turn that off? Because I can't deal with that it's right now. Like re-traumatizing Exactly. And I was like, really? What do you mean? Because oh. for me watching this is like, I almost want to say it was cathartic in a way. Yes. It wasn't that I enjoyed viewing this no. horrible incident. But for me, somehow reprocessing something that I had already processed mm -hmm. helped me to reconnect with my emotions yeah. that maybe I felt that day. And it just helped me take another step forward in processing that event. Hmm. And at the exact same time for her, the exact same experience, I think, was being harmful hmm. to her and how she emotionally processed it. And she was like, I just can't help but watch that and feel a lot of feelings all over again for all of these people and mm. not in like a healthy, empathetic way, but in, in a like way despair. that's... Yeah. And so it was just one little micro example to me of two different people experiencing the exact same thing. One person saying, this is really helpful to me. Yeah. And yeah. another person saying, this is hurtful to me. And I think it's really important that we understand 
that we process pain very differently from one another. Yeah, that's a really good point. And it's important to respect how others need to process. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think I'm kind of like you. I have a friend who we love to go to sad movies and cry (laughs) together. And I have other friends who are like, what is wrong with you? What is your problem? And I'm like, I don't know, but there's something about it that's very helpful. Sometimes all the tears just need to come out and that's healing. But for other people, it's not. It would put them in a worse place. And so, yeah, we need to respect each other and say, what do you need to get through this? How can I... How can I help you and support you? I think there are times where someone else says something like, oh, I do this when I'm in the middle of pain or this is how I handle something. Mm -hmm. And we have a tendency to judge those things based on our own experience and say, "Uh, no, that is not a healthy way to deal with that. (laughs) You shouldn't be doing that. Stop that. And there might be times where that's the case, where objectively that's not a good idea. But I think there's also room for moments where we need to take a step back and evaluate, Mm. is that just not helpful for me or is it not helpful for them? And we got to be a little bit cautious about Mm. painting everything with a broad brush and saying, well, just because that doesn't work for me means it also doesn't work for you. Yeah. One other thing that I think goes along with this is we also need to make sure that we have a good understanding of how we process pain and what works for ourselves, because sometimes we may not understand others. Sometimes we also don't understand ourselves. Very true. It's easy to misunderstand and think this is something that's helpful to me when it's actually not, or this is Mm. something that is a little bit painful or it hurts a little bit or is uncomfortable when actually going through that discomfort for a short period of time could be a good thing. And so it's important to have these conversations so that not only we can learn about others, but we can learn about ourselves. That's a really good point. So as far as processing, it's interesting to look at just what you're talking about, what works for each of us as we're processing the pain of life. I know that me personally, like I have to either invite others in while I'm sitting in something painful Mm. or I have to have a couple of people in my life who just recognize the signs of it. Like, oh, Mm. Isaac is retreating into his shell. We need to like put our foot in the door and say like, hey, let's hang out the rest of the day. I know you don't want to. Intervention. Yeah. Like sophomore year, I was depressed and Mm. I had someone who sat in my room. I didn't talk to her. I yeah. woke up and she was just chilling on my couch doing her homework yeah. at like two in the afternoon. Mm. And I didn't want to go to class. I didn't want to eat. And she literally just like sat there with me in it. Mm. And knowing that someone was there when I was eventually able to sort of process, process. it helped so much. Wow. And now I like, I have other people in my life. They know the signs and mm. they're like, we're going to sit here and just sort of ride this out together. So that's I really think, good. Like you said, knowing yourself, knowing how you deal with it mm-hmm. is so important to like get help along the way. I agree. I think it's hard. I think I also tend to do what you're talking about to withdraw because my tendency is, oh, I'm feeling these really strong feelings. This is bad. Right. And Mm -hmm. I need to withdraw and fix it. And then I'll go to my friends and talk about it. And then like that never works. And so for me, it's learning the importance and also the healing power of exposing people to the strength of my emotions and not being afraid that it's going to overwhelm them and just saying, this is where I'm at and I don't know how to deal with it. And I am, I'm really struggling. And more often than not, their response is over the top, gracious and healing and helpful. And yeah, it doesn't make it all go away immediately, but community to me is one of the most essential aspects Mm. to processing any kind of pain in my life. I'm not sure that there's anything that makes pain worse than loneliness. Yeah. Being alone seems to be such a recipe for disaster when it comes to processing pain. That tends to be where we run. It is. Right. It's kind of like a wounded animal. Yes. Tends to try to go hide in a hole in the ground somewhere because they're afraid of being hurt 
further Worse. because they're vulnerable, right? Mm-hmm. right? So many times a veterinarian or something is trying to help mm-hmm. an animal and the animal wants nothing to do with that and they yep. just want to get away and hide, yeah. even though that would be the worst thing in the world for them. And I think that's a problem for all of us. And and it can play out in a couple of different ways. Like from what I've heard you say, Kara, for you, there's a lot of guilt and shame that's involved in oh, yeah. that retreat into yourself. Yeah. For me, it kind of plays out a little bit differently. I start to recognize that I tend to be really selfish when I'm mm. in a period of pain and I am focusing so much on my own problems and my own hurt. And again, sometimes there are times where you do need to do that and you need to address it head on, Mm. but I tend to do it in a very unhealthy way. It's not about addressing the pain. It's about wallowing in it Mm -hmm. and staying there and not moving. And what I found that really helps me is recognizing that there's more to life than the pain that I'm experiencing. Mm. I was reading a quote from Joel Houston, who's co-pastor at Hillsong in New York City. And he said, God wants the inadequate you, the one who doesn't measure up, the one who's been hurt and abused, the one who doesn't know what he's doing in his life, the one who's dying on the inside, the one who's dying on the outside, Mm -hmm. because it's all about him and it's not about you. It's kind of this counterintuitive thing, because Mm -hmm. when you're hurt and you withdraw in on yourself, all you want to do is look after yourself. And certainly some self-care is really important. But at the end of the day, I don't know that there's a healing Balm quite like caring about others mm. to help you work through your pain, at least for me. As I think about all of these different aspects of pain and how you process it and the process of getting to a place of hope in the midst of the pain, I love this quote from Henry Cloud to kind of wrap it all together. He says, we develop hope as we experience pain transformed into comfort. Mm. When this happens enough, we begin to have faith that our pain will not do us in and that comfort is on its way. And I just think that's incredibly profound to say that actually your hope is tied to this experience of pain being transformed into comfort that Hmm. produces hope, which is a really hopeful thought. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of crazy when you think about it, but it makes sense. Hope is not really possible without pain. Yeah. Like if if there is no pain, if there is no hurt, Mm. what need for hope is there? Yeah. You know, And, and it kind of helps us answer that big question that we started with of, why is there pain in the first place? Mm -hmm. Because without pain, what do we need Jesus for? What do we need a savior for? What do we need to be saved from? My on repeat this week is Praying by Kesha. What can be said about this song? A lot of things. Uh, I'll let Kesha pretty much say it because on her Genius page, she said this song is about me finding peace in the fact that I can't control everything because trying to control everyone was killing me. It's about learning to let go and realize that the universe is in control of my fate, not me. This was a a really interesting song, and it's one that I debated about even playing on Mm -hmm. Real FM. Mm -hmm. Kesha is not necessarily the artist you would expect (laughs) maybe a Christian radio station to be playing. But I just found the song to be so profound, especially if you know her backstory, which exactly yeah. maybe we won't get into all of it here. But the short version is she wasn't allowed to make music for what, four or five years, yeah. I yeah. think, because she got into a lawsuit with her producer. There were a lot of allegations about mistreatment and abuse in that relationship. And finally, she's out of that contract. And the song is pretty obviously written 
towards her old producer. Yeah. And she seems to have some very mystical views when it comes to spirituality, Hmm. kind of maybe not on target, we would say with a Christian understanding of the world, but it's obvious that she's wrestling with a lot of this. Yeah. And that was what was really compelling to me. Well, and to see her evolution, like as an artist from brushing your teeth with a bottle of Jack. (laughs) Yeah. When I like first heard Kesha, And going to praying is just, it's an incredible thing to watch. My song that is on repeat this week is the song 10 by Built by Titan. I discovered Built by Titan relatively recently, and I am a closet EDM fan, and a lot of what you hear from Built by Titan is very straight EDM. This song is actually a little bit different, though. It's not really that much of an EDM song, although it has some elements of it in the drop, but it's a a collaboration with an artist whose name I cannot pronounce because so many of these artists have, in my opinion, unpronounceable names. Stars with an X like thrown in the middle of there. Starks. 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 I'm not really sure how to say that, but the song is still really good. It kind of has a very nostalgic feel to me. It feels like a classic 80s song, like the best of the classic 80s. There's a lot of 80s elements to it. And the song is about growing up. So I think it actually goes really well. Kind of this nostalgic feel, both lyrically and musically. The song basically talks about this boy growing up and how he was reckless and how he went through difficult things and learned how to be himself. We're in this era of 80s nostalgia for yes. sure and this song just slots right in there perfectly and um, it's just super catchy in my opinion too. It like, is. It's one of those songs that it's five and a half minutes long which in the radio world is a really long song Yeah, but it's one of those five and a half minute songs that I don't get tired of yeah. even by the time that I'm at the end of the song. My on repeat this week is Up by Davy Asaf and Annalie. If you just show yourself to even say about this song. I I just love it. And from the first minute Anson played it for us, I think it was just a week ago, I was like, yes, that song going <laughs> on my playlist on repeat right now. Because it's one of the most beautiful songs I think I've heard written about this struggle with depression, which is something I struggle with. I literally have listened to it every morning this week because a lot of times I think in the mornings when I'm just getting up and feeling groggy and going, what is this all about? What am I doing? And how do I get through a day? It's especially relevant in those times, just kind of what we talked about today, the importance of, all right, I need to say the real things out loud. And then I need something to hang on to, to kind of pull me through. I need some sort of hope and the lyrics, man, and the melody together. It's just this beautiful combination of, yes, that is exactly how I'm feeling. I especially love the I'm flesh and blood need more than help. Take me up. Like Mm. what a beautiful prayer that is. I need more than just kind of 
a pat on the back and more than help. I need you to literally carry me mm. through this day because this is hard. And it's hard for me to admit this because I feel like a failure just saying out loud, I struggle with depression, but this is a real thing. And this is my life. And so I'm going to keep singing this song. It almost feels like a worship song to me in a weird way, like a, a prayer slash worship slash desperate. This is all I got at the moment, but I'm going to keep saying it. I'm going to keep praying it because this is me. This is where I'm at. Yeah. It's so good. I've been listening to it a lot this week as well. Beautiful. If you've ever thought to yourself, there is no Christian music that is honest and raw and yeah. it's all kind of fake and, and this veneer. Go oh. check out Davy Asaph yep. and listen to yeah. his stuff because it's about as real as you're going to get. is episode four of Real Talk. Yay! What else is there to say? (laughs) I'm not sure there is a lot else to say. We've already said words out of our mouths for (laughs) a lot of mouth words. About 40 minutes. (laughs) And we're probably done now. That's true. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Real Talk podcast from Real FM. Wake up with Isaac from 7 to 10 a.m. and catch Real Talk with Anson and Kara from 4 to 7 p.m. Live every weekday on Real FM Radio. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent or reflect the views of John Brown University, KLRC Radio, or Real FM.